Hey, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. I am Aaron Santamaya, and I will be your host. Each episode, I will be having transparent conversations with people who care about and desire for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resilience, and confidence is lack of clarity. I believe that the transparent conversations we will be having and the life story we will be hearing will be invaluable for both you and I. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Pastor Mark Lehman. He's a pastor in Bowie, Maryland, Cornerstone Church, and we're going to be looking and focusing on people care, how we care for people. If you know Pastor Mark, he loves missions. He loves sharing the love of Jesus Christ. He is very intentional. He's very pastoral. He cares for people. He loves people. And I think we're going to be able to learn from him today and gather from his years of experience in ministry what he's learned, what he does differently, what he's changed, and the data adaptations he's made over his life and his time in ministry. He's going to present some key points, some valuable tools for you and I as we care for people and what works, what doesn't work, how we approach maybe different situations and how that looks. So I'm looking forward to it. Pastor Mark is someone that I met for the first time in Orlando, Florida, I think in 2002. We were, Heather and I were applying to be missionaries and we went, they were having a fly-in at that time, which is when they brought missionaries and pastors in from around the country. And we went in there and he met us and he wanted asked us if we would come and be their first ever missionary in residence at their church. And so we did. We didn't know if he wanted a janitor or what he really wanted, but really the reality of it is he wanted to invest in us. He wanted to care for us. He wanted us to teach us, share about the power of prayer and fasting and discipled us in that time as we were preparing to go to the mission field the first time. The church and him, they have loved on us ever since. And so we're thankful for them. We're thankful for Cornerstone. I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all. You're going to learn, I think, and grow from this podcast. If you care for people in any way, whether that's in business, whether that's at home, whether that's in uh, mission, I think you'll take valuable key points from this, from our time with Mark Lehman. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome to the Clarity Podcast. I have the great honor of being here today with Pastor Mark Lehman, who's a pastor in Bowie, Maryland. He is a friend of mine. He's a spiritual mentor, probably a spiritual father of mine, probably the, more to clarify that a little bit better. And I'm so excited to be with him here today to talk about people care, investing in the emotional and spiritual health of people on your team, people in your family, and those around you. And he is someone that I've seen live this and so excited to have sit down and have a conversation with him. So welcome. Pastor Mark, would you just share a little bit about yourself for the listeners that might not know as much about who you are and be as honest and transparent as you like to be? Well, thank you so much. What a great honor to be with you, Aaron, and for all the folks who are joining us too as well. When I talk about myself, it's sort of difficult for me. I'd rather talk about other things, but I'll talk about myself briefly just for context a little bit. My wife and I have been married now, be 38 years in March, and thank God for that. She's an amazing gift to me, and I don't have the words to express to you or to people who are listening how much she's meant in me and my own life, let alone in the ministry life. And then also we have two great boys who are both in ministry. I have two daughters by marriage and three grandchildren who all love Jesus, and so I'm a pretty happy man in that regard. And then also God in his grace to me, even though I always feel like when Paul says, I'm the least of least of these or I'm the chief sinner, I feel like I'm both of those. I feel like there's not much in me except what God has put in me. And so he has been very faithful to me 
far more than I deserve or can understand. And I don't say that to be false, show false humility, but just really honest. I know me and I know what God has done in my life and how, how he's changed me and how things have been really set on his course in a way that I never would have planned. But now I serve in several different roles and my favorite role is, is to be husband and father and grandfather and then as pastor and assistant superintendent here of our, of our network. But I pastor a real cool church called Cornerstone Church in Bowie, Maryland, about 70 different nations. And so since this is going in Africa to Africa workers, we have a lot of your folks here in our church. And so we're really blessed by that. So thanks for all the input you've made in our lives. But probably for me, Aaron, I look back and think about what God has done. I look at my own life and the last thing I've ever thought I'd be doing is this. And I'm just amazed that God would use me in this regard and that he'd have that kind of grace in my life. So I'm very, very blessed. And I can talk more about that in a few minutes, but very, very grateful. We're excited to have you with us today. And we're looking forward to learning from you and learning how to care for others. You know, we normally begin the podcast. We begin the podcast with a lesson that we've learned. And then at the end, we talk about our wins. And I think a lot of times in life, we learn from people's challenges as they went through challenges and we can learn from that because we identify with that. So is there a specific challenge or something that you've went through caring for people and leading people in their spiritual life as you develop them that you'd like to share with us? You think it was a good learning experience for you and it would help us? Yeah, let me talk about the ones I wish I could do over first. And then I'll talk about some wins. Is that okay? That's awesome. So I think that early on in ministry, I felt like it's like people had to take care of themselves almost. And I'm not trying to be flippant. And most people who know me would say, well, that's hard to believe. But I just felt like, you know, because there's so much things in each one of us that we're going through, it's easy to do, in my mind, two or three different roles. I put on the minister hat or the missionary hat, and I try to be somebody that I'm not. Or I try to be a person who is in my own self not healthy enough to care for other people. And so I care out of selfishness. I care out of what's in it for me. And then the third hat, hopefully the healthy hat, would be the one that would say, you know what, I do this because I really do love people and genuinely care for people. So to be honest with you, early on in ministry, and I've been you know, pastoring in some form or another now for like 38 and a half years now. But early on, I felt like I was pastoring to receive back. I almost felt like a duty to be Superman for people. And there was a song years and years ago by a, a writer that most of you guys would not know, but he said, everyone looked for Superman and I want to be Superman for them. And I felt like for me, in the idea of caring for people on my staff, on my team, in my family, it was more of a self-interest. I was trying to have people look to me as the answer man or the person who could fix everything. And then God took me through a series of times in my own life that I felt like I couldn't fix myself, let alone fix any other people. And that was a humbling time for me. I call it my desert time with God, but it was sometimes the best time I ever had with the Lord because it focused my attention on to say, when I care for people or when I'm trying to help people, I have to do it the right motives or it doesn't matter. It's not about fixing me. It's about genuinely caring for people at the deepest part of their life. And because what we do, all of us here on this podcast do, we are ministering to people at sometimes the great moments of joy and sometimes the saddest moments. So for me, be real transparent, early on, I don't know how many years, maybe the first, I would say maybe five or 10 years, I was doing a lot of care out of self-interest, not out of God interest, to be honest with you. And maybe that we can unpack that if you'd like to. But I think that after about that 10-year period of time that God really broke in and, and changed me dramatically and to say, listen, my care for people need to be out of a love for God and a respect that God has allowed me to be part of the, the plan for answering 
the needs of their life. It helped me so much. And so early on, when I was, I would call my Superman era, I felt like I had to fix everybody. And if I couldn't, I felt like I was a failure. When God broke me of that, I realized that I can't fix anyone, but God can. But now he can use me as a tool for restoration. So over the years, God has helped me through many people on staff, as well as people who are in our church or in, in our network or even in larger schemes of that around the world to be able to say, I care for you as a person. I don't have the answers completely, but I promise you, I will listen. I will care. I'll encourage you in whatever way possible. But I think that breaking point for me, Aaron, was that about 10 year mark that I really felt like I can't do this without God's grace. And it freed me from what I would call the burden of having to make sure everyone is okay. So after that 10-year period of time, I would call for the next season, I felt like God in His grace was allowing me to understand that I would really have uh, an openness for people. I think most times people can talk with me and with no agenda. I wanted to do it with no strings attached, no expectancy that I was getting something from them. And that really helped me tremendously too as well. So I can think about one instant in particular of a person came to me very, very broken, actually not too long ago, very broken. They had been involved in an area of uh, weakness in their life and an area of temptation that they had caved into. And I think they were expecting me to condemn them and to somehow come down hard on them. And we sort of broke it apart with them and said, here's what's happening. Here's what we have to do, but here's how we want to restore that. And that happens a few months ago with somebody on my staff here now. And not my pastoral staff, but my support staff. And they have been so good. We positioned them in a new position for a time to bring healing and hope. And I just met with them yesterday and they said, I can't tell you how, how my walk with God has grown. And thank you so much for allowing me to find the path of restoration. And I think that if everyone in our, who's listening to podcasts would say, part of my role is to say, how can I be a facilitator for God's healing, not that I'm the healer. And I think that really has helped me very, very well in the last many of the years to say, it's not about me, it's about God. And I realize that everyone can't reach that place of openness with someone else, but the more transparent I am, the more transparent they tend to be too as well. That's very good. Very good. In that situation that you were describing when that person came to you, what is one thing that you do in a situation like that to find clarity? Because that's a tough situation to walk through. What do you do to find clarity in those situations so you're focused on what God wants and not a self-serving, as you said, being the Superman? Is there a question you ask yourself or is there a process that you go through or how do you maintain your focus and clarity in a difficult time like that? But I think the first thing in my own personal life, I have learned now over the years to have other people speak into my life personally. And I feel like I can only give what I have. And so if I don't have health in my own self to try to give help to someone else or clarity in someone else's life, I just think that somehow I've got to step back. And a wise man told me one time, I reserve the right to be smarter tomorrow than I am today. <laughs> so there are some times. That's good. Isn't that good? That's good. And I, I think sometimes in my own self, because we want to be this super healer of people and we want to minister to people because we do care for people. We, everyone in this podcast podcast cares for people in whatever way. Maybe it was like in me for the first 10 years in the wrong motivation and maybe for the last 28 or years or so on the right motivation. But I know if I'm not prayed up and right, it's hard 
for me to minister to the people. So I would say three things, Aaron, that I do oftentimes is my own heart right. Before I try to deal with someone else, is my own heart right? Or am I going to deal with this out of my own lack for that moment? So there have been times with people who wanted to talk with me about an issue. I'd say, listen, can we just do this tomorrow? And that's sort of a weird thing to say because they're coming to me, especially people on my staff. And what I'm saying is not because I'm too busy, because I want to make sure I'm in the right place. That's good. And I don't tell them that, but I just think, honestly, the more open I am with myself, the, I think the last person we're transparent with most of the time is us. Wow. And we talk about transparency over and over again, but we have a real tendency to view ourselves in a very clouded way, most of us, not all of us. And I'm sure there are people on this podcast who do it much better than I. But I think for me, for the longest time, I didn't view myself accurately. And so part of self-assessment, I think to say, you know what, I'm in a good place right now to help other people. And it's hard because our schedules are tense and because other people's schedules have arranged their schedule around me. I understand that. But I do think whenever you can, if you're not right, number one, you have to make your sure you self-assess that you say, I can give something as God's flowing through my life. And then number two is I'm always looking for the deeper issue. So when they came and talked to me, even recently, another situation has happened again in the last week of a person who's been with me for a long, long time on staff, I mean, decades on staff, and they're going through a difficult time in their own family. And so I said, Lord, what's the deeper issue? What things am I missing here? And as we talk more and more and more, this person's a wonderful person on our staff, but I felt like God was saying to me, you need to encourage them, but also to speak the truth. And so it was just a very neat time to say, here's a deeper portion that we're missing. And once I spoke the truth, they acknowledged that's exactly what God's been doing in their own life. Yeah. And then the third thing is I've learned, Aaron, I've got to make sure there's some kind of measurable with people I'm trying to help. And it's hard because every situation, you, all of us deal from things that are what we would call maybe on the lower end of the spectrum as far as crisis to major crisis. I mean, families and, and divorce and abuse and children and physical pain and sexual pain and people who have been abused in every kind of way. And then we think the other spectrum, well, it's not quite so deep. Maybe just had someone upset them in there. But everything is deep. Everything is intense. But I'm trying to ask them too, what can we do now moving forward in next steps? So I try to give them like some kind of spiritual homework, almost every person here, and then Try to my very best I can to say, okay, then let's follow up again in whatever time frame to say, did you do that? I've learned if they don't do those small things, then they don't want healing. Hmm. If they don't do that, that those small things, they just want someone to listen to them when they're frustrated or upset. And I'm generalizing here because we're talking about, you know, truly over the last four decades now, thousands of needs and thousands of moments. But I want to push people to Jesus, not to me. So I'm not Superman. I want to push people to a place, okay, what's the next step? If, if this issue is really causing you a problem, what are you going to do about it? So let's say an illustration might be person on one of the teams that are here, there in Africa, really just gets you all the time. It just irritates you. They pressure buttons constantly. And you go to a person that you trust and you love and you respect, and they say to you, hey, listen, you've got to do Matthew 18 with them, or it's not going to go better. Well, all of us know that. But until someone pushes us to do Matthew 18, to go to that person, all we're saying is, listen to my complaint. Yeah, that's true. I know that's a blunt statement, but... No, it's good. I don't think people change unless there's a force to change. 
yeah. in many ways. And sometimes we're that listening ear. Sometimes we're that comfort. We're definitely the crisis managers. Yes, we're the people who put things back together with God's grace. But also there are times we have to say, God, we want you so much to use me to be a push for Jesus, for them to do the right thing. That's and awesome. just continue in this process. I don't have as many decades in experience as you, but what I've started asking the question myself, are you broken and want God to heal you? Or are you happy being broken and want to stay there? And that sounds like a harsh question to ask. But at the same time, you know, uh, sometimes your back can start hurting from trying to pull people along to a place that they really don't want to go. They're happy where they're at. And I think as people who want to care for them, we pull them and we're tired and they're frustrated with us trying to pull them when they're just happy where they're at. So that's a good word. It's a good word. Can I just tag on to something you said a moment ago about yeah. brokenness? Yeah. And it, it brought me back about 34 years ago. At that point, that cross was my life that I stopped being Superman and went through that desert experience in my own life. People were there and caring for me, and my wife was amazing, other friends as well. But I remember I went through that really period of brokenness, and I had a pastor friend at that time, one of the guys I really attribute to a person who taught me how to pray and, and put God first and put myself down the road somewhere on that totem pole. And he called me into his office one time, and he said, I was a young man at that time. I was just a pup. And he said, can you just sit down with me? And I said, what do you want? He said, I just want to sit down with a person who's been broken by God. Wow. And it was a weird moment. And I really had been broken by God in a good way. Not that he was beating me up because I had to be changed. Yeah. And that's that same time, my desert time with God. But I never forget, I can see his face to this moment. When you said that, it just brought me back that 30 years ago or more, almost 30 years ago that says, you know, basically just sit down and the brokenness is a good thing. And we just talked about the things of God and we both cried and that was it. It was not like he was even trying to teach me anything, but he was a much older man. I do think what you said a moment ago, the brokenness, now there are some people who are listening who are victims they're completely victims in our point of caring for them. But there are other people who are not guiltless in that process. And I think that brokenness is important. And a lot of times when these people place a blame on other people all the time, they're not broken yet. Sure. They're not broken. So. When you look at that, you talked about in that conversation you had with that person that you said they were a little older than you and different generations. How do you model this now in the different generations that are there? Do you care for somebody who is maybe older than you in years or maybe more spiritually? Maybe they've walked with Christ for, I don't know, 60 years and versus someone who is a yeah. new Christian. Do you approach those things differently in how you care for them or you just treat everybody the same and don't consider that at all? No, I think it's all different. And the man who was, at that time, he was probably nearly 70 years old when he told me that when I was just a kid at that time. And I feel like you, you treat other people. So I do that with people in our church and on our staff who are older than me. And I think they're age maturity-wise spiritually and they also age physically age. But the people who are older than me, I always honor them and I don't try to offend them, especially if they're more mature with me than I am in the Lord. But sometimes there just has to be like a moment to say, and right now, I'm supposed to be the Nathan in their life. I'm not much. I don't be their Nathan right now to say, have you thought about this? And then other people who I would call peers of mine, I try to walk in a way that's a humble way that I don't feel like, oh, I have it all together. I think there's a real, you come with a posture of saying, listen, we can find God's hope and healing together in this, uh, especially with peers. It's really wonderful. So I think you are looking at different levels and different stages, different people and different phases. And I think if you all come at it with an attitude of humility, then I'm not the know-it-all. I'm just trying to be God's person to speak truth to the situation. A really helpful, I think. Very helpful. There's a phrase now going around the United States. 
And a friend of mine told me this yesterday. He said, he said speak your truth, speak your truth, speak your truth. <laughs> it's not saying speak the truth. It's your truth, it's huh? Speak your truth. Wow. That's... It's very interesting. And I think part of me is to say, what is God's truth in this? Yeah. Not what my feelings are, but what God's truth. Yeah. Thinking about the seasons of life, what is the most important for you right now when you think about the work of the Holy Spirit in your daily life as you're caring for people? Mm, that is a great question. I think the single most important is to realize that I'm incredibly loved by God. I think that many times in my own life, I have tried to, because of my own brokenness from my own upbringing, long when I was a little boy, there was dysfunction in my own family. And I think that you're always like grasping at something else. But when you think about God just loves me so much and cares for me, not because of what I do, and not because of who I am, but just because he loves me, it allows me to have that, what I would call that sort of that strong confidence in God. I feel like I can say things to people with more authority because I feel like I'm not doing it out of grasping for their attention or their affirmation. I can tell people the truth because I really want to honor God because he loves me so much. I realize I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not the expert at anything. In fact, I say that to everybody. I'm not an expert at anything, but we can find God uh, that he will give us wisdom. But I think, honestly, the one thing may sound very basic, Aaron, just the idea, the assurance of his love for me, not based on what I do or who I am or how many people are in our church or how much money we're giving to missions or how many things people think about us. It's very interesting because it's almost like putting yourself on the side and letting God just overwhelm you. And I think even when Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that's true not just for areas of sin, but for areas of my own life that I'm speaking to other people. What's in my heart? And even coming out of our time of prayer and fasting here now, I just feel like our theme was all in and not stopping halfway. And I thought part of that all in this was to say, God, I thank you so much that your love for me is unconditional, not based on anything. And most of us deal with a lot of different areas of guilt or shame from past things, even when God has forgiven us. But that really, honestly, Aaron, has been something the Holy Spirit keeps pounding in my heart. You know, Mark, you are loved, you're cared for. You are his child. And out of that then comes his authority to speak truth to people's lives. I think that's God's truth, not my own. I know it's a basic point, Aaron, but it's, I think it's a true point. I really do. No, for sure. When you talk, you just mentioned the time of prayer and fasting. Can you just share a little bit about the, your the prayer, time of prayer and fasting that when I was your missionary and resident and came to Cornerstone, it's my first time to do a 21-day fast and set a time, significant time of prayer. Can you just talk and share why that's important for you as you care for other people, why a time of, of prayer and fasting is important for you as you're pouring out to others and you said, I can't give what I don't have. How is that time of prayer and fasting, how does that help you into that end? Good. Well, I like you, Aaron, when I come to Cornerstone when I was a 33-year-old guy, I'd never fasted more than three days of my life and found that church people were good about eating, but not very good about fasting. And I felt like uh, I was challenged by a guy who was a sportscaster, actually, for the San Diego Padres. He was not even a pastor or a missionary. It was like weird that this guy was saying, you know, I really learned in my own life that when you fast, it changes things, it breaks through things. And he challenged me along with a few of the pastors to fast. And from that point on, we'd be in the fast and you know, two weeks and three weeks and now a little bit longer. You know, our church does for the weeks, but I always try to go a little bit longer than that, either before or after, just to get my heart ready. But what I feel like that time with me personally 
it just like sets my course so clearly for my own life. The first week of the fast, usually I'm saying, God, I want to know you. I'm not after things. I just want to know you. And it's almost like the whole theme about God, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, draw me nearer. And I just think that's a powerful time about receiving his love and his grace in my life. The second week of the fast as individual and also the church, we said, hey, God, now we want to hear your voice. So the first week's not necessarily just about things. It's just saying, God, I want to be in a relationship with you deeper. And so that's why we set aside, in my case, food. Other people give up the internet or television or some people, one of my favorite stories of all time, a person in our church gave up the wheel of fortune every night that she could pray and seek the face of God instead of doing that. To me, anything that you're denying yourself and going after God and praying becomes a fast. It's not for points. And again, if you know God loves you, then you're not after points with God. You're not after like, oh, aren't you wonderful how much you're fasting? It's almost like, God, how much more do I have to go? But the idea of how much more I had to, to grow in you. So that second week then becomes a week, I want to hear your voice. And then the third week is obedient week. I call it the time of God's giving us commission then to say, okay, here's the things I've been te- teaching you during this fast. And now you've got to put it into practice because at the end of the fast, if you don't put into practice what God has been speaking to your life, all that becomes is a time that you committed three weeks or four weeks or whatever it might be in your walk with God. But if you don't take something out of, almost like I said a moment ago, if I don't have some kind of market change in my life, I think it's wasted from what God has for us. I think Jesus talks about this and even Paul's writing about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think the fast allows me to do that, to know his love, to hear his voice, and then walk in obedience. And I think like I had never fasted before. Now I look forward to it so much. It's my favorite time of the year. It really is. And then I try to fast on a regular basis throughout the year, but as far as a longer fast and a corporate fast, that's, it changes us, Aaron. I really would challenge anyone who's never fasted before, or maybe God's just prompting your heart to do that. It's something you don't have to look forward to with dread, but with great joy. He wants you. Jesus started the ministry out, his own ministry out in fasting. And what's so cool about that, it says he walked into the desert led by the Spirit. He came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I feel like in my own fasting time. It's drawing me, the Holy Spirit's drawing me, and I come out in a whole different way, much more in tune with Him, hearing His voice more, and clearly, I think of a better father, a better husband, a better grandfather, hopefully a better pastor, and more than that, I hope I'm just a better child child of Jesus Christ. But I just challenge everyone like that. Sportscaster challenged me all those years ago. It will change and revolutionize your life, and without even knowing it, all the people around you too. That's amazing. Pastor, would you just share one win? We began our podcast with a challenge and something you've learned over all these years for caring with for people. Is there something that you've just been encouraged in the last few months? And you could say, you know, I've seen God work in my life and seen him work in others. Sometimes I think in ministry, we get discouraged by the challenges. But is there just a win that you'd just like to share with us, maybe to encourage somebody that's out there that it'll put some wind into their sails? Well, I would say this. There's probably a few things I could say. And you really, I want to give all the honor to the Lord because it's all his doing. But what I found out is that if I will be obedient to God, God will do some great things. So let me give you two quick illustrations if I can. So recently in our area, there's been a real turmoil with some a local area with the area of races in our area, not in our church, but not too far from here. And so we've been trying our very best to always talk about what God's response is. And since we're multicultural in our church, we try to always respond in love and in grace. And what I've seen God do in the midst of this is our people who are really, really devoted to God have learned not to be hyphenated Christians. And I would say that if I can really clearly, several people come to me and say, Pastor, thank you so much for letting us sort of lift our eyes above the fray 
and say, how would you respond to this? So recently I had a family new to our church who came out of a situation that was really affected and impacted by this area of racism, not too far from us here. And they said to me, I thank God so much for this church. When I come here, I feel safe. And when I said that, oh man, I thank God for that. There's another guy on my staff who is African-American. He said to me, actually, the only place I feel comfortable in the entire world besides my own household is here at this church. And I thought that was a huge win. It's a deeper win than just a surface thing. So I felt like what that is, though, Aaron, is, is a cultural shift to say, we're not going to let the outside affect us. Me personally, I think probably for me, a big win would be to see people's lives change that have been in process for a long, long time. And one thing that's been challenging me, Aaron, is that God is doing things in the unseen that I don't see. I want instant results. I want to say three things to people and all of a sudden, oh, I never thought of that way. I'm all good now. But many times what God wants to do, I think, is to say, all right, I'm part of the process, meaning me, I'm part of the process in people's lives. And so another situation happened here recently that a person who I became very, very close to, but when he first came to the church, he was really a crusty guy, super crusty, hard. When I say crusty, hard to deal with and just not even a believer. And actually, he would never come into the church building. He'd sit in the foyer. We had a seat reserved to him. We call it, his name was Frank. We called it Frank's seat. He never came to church, but he'd sit in the for you. And over a period of years, he started really loving me and I loved him. And we just conveyed Christ to each other. And finally, he came to a point in his decision making with Jesus that he gave his life to Jesus. Well, recently, real quick story, I know we're running out of time, but he was diagnosed with a disease that was going to take his life. And so over the last maybe three or four years, we've got really, really close. And he is in his 80s. And I went and talked to him and I said to him, I said, Frank, you're going to see Jesus very, very soon. And when you see Jesus, I want you to hug on him and love on him. And I want to say to you, thanks, Frank, for modeling the love for Jesus when his life has not been easy. He's lost multiple children through overdose. It's been a really difficult life for him. And I said, you hug him and then you tell him that, listen, I love him too and I'll see him soon. He said, well, he's on his deathbed and he was about to die. In fact, he died about two weeks ago. And he said, well, what if you get there first? What are you going to tell him? I said, I'm going to tell him that Frank loves him. But I felt like that was a long-term relationship that became a huge win for God. And I feel like sometimes we're in the instant and we want to have the results that I can put online or put in a newsletter. And sometimes God says the most important thing you can do is to be faithful and to proclaim truth and to love people to Jesus. Even at times, in this case with Frank, he didn't want to be loved to Jesus, but you wore him down over a period of time. So I think for the people who are listening And for those people who have not seen the result they want to see, first of all, I just want to challenge you. You're not God, and God is working in ways you don't see. And secondly, God always gives the victory for the endurance or the faithfulness to say, do not give up, do not surrender. When we come out of the fast, I always tell people, don't surrender the ground you've gained. And I would say to people listening, don't surrender the ground you've gained, and don't be discouraged because you try equating yourself with other people. Go back to what I said a moment ago. If you know that God loves you regardless then it takes away the competition of trying to say, well, I'm not doing, I'm not seeing this happening. Or how come God is blessing that area or that missionary or that worker? I feel like sometimes the love of God overwhelms us and it allows us to see it clearly, even when our own lack is showing, if I can say it that way. So for me, Aaron, those are two quick areas of wins. And I can give you multiple things of God's faithfulness, but I just feel like, you know, we're in the people business. We're not in the numbers business. We're in the people's business. And I think people and God's grace matter. And even though it's hard sometimes, and there are a lot of times that are struggling, God in his grace says this, I know where you're at. I know who you are. I know how to use you, but stop limiting me to think that only I can do things that you see I'm doing. He's doing much more than that. 
That's an encouraging word, and we appreciate it. Pastor Mark, would you pray for our listeners? You pray that we would take what you've shared with us, and we will apply it to our lives, that this is not just something we listen to, but God, this is something that we'll put into action and allow God to work in our lives today. Would you pray for us? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for your incredible grace. I am just moved by it, and I'm just moved by the people, Lord God. I don't know who will be listening or at what time, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring the right time and the right moment for them to hear these words, Lord God. And let something that was said not only prompt their heart, but God, will they put it into practice? Don't let us just be hearers. Let us be doers, Lord God. Let us be people, Lord God, who receive your love and give your love. Who receive, Lord God, your forgiveness and wholeness and give that. People, Lord God, like me who have been broken and let God now you're feeling us and making us whole. I pray, Lord God, that we would take away all the enemy's attacks about competition and about fear and start walking in faith and realizing that our God is way more intense and way bigger than we understand, that he works in the unseen, not in the, just in the seen. And I pray, God, for your encouragement for those people who are struggling right now, to hear your voice saying, God, I hear you, but I don't feel you. And that, God, you understand that we can be transparent with you. Let the first person we're transparent with be you, and the second be us. I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, for you to push us, you to love us to a deeper walk with you, so that out of the outflow of that love, comes relationship to care for others. I thank you for that clarity, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate you and thanks for investing in us today, finding clarity and ambiguity. Well, I knew you would not be disappointed with our time with Pastor Mark Lehman. And as you probably heard in the background, anyone who's lived in Africa, spent time in Africa, I live in a house that has tin roof. And so as I was recording this podcast, once again, the rain came down, the lightning was striking, and I was running from this room to the kitchen and the kitchen, because our kitchen doesn't have a tin roof, and where the internet would work, and to be in a place where the Wi-Fi was strongest, and where we had electricity, where we don't have electricity, the where our house is wired when the electric goes out. You probably heard some of that mass mayhem in the background of my time with him, but it was important and he did not flinch. He did not, <laughs> didn't bother him. I was a little stressed in the process, but it's a process of doing a podcast from Africa and at least from Madagascar and the way it goes with varying electricity, tin roofs and all that goes with that process. But learned many things from Pastor Mark. It was a valuable time with him. Some thing, key take home points that I took for him was transparency with ourselves. He shared that the last person we're normally transparent with is ourself. That really spoke to me. Am I transparent and being honest with myself. Timing and the way when we're caring for others. The point of this podcast was caring for others, how we do that. And he talked about the timing and are we ready? Do we have something to give when somebody comes to us? A lot of times they come to us when their schedule is free, but maybe we're full. Maybe we've had a rough day. Maybe our minds are in other places and being willing to say, I want to have this conversation. I want to care for you. And right now is not the best time for me. And let's schedule a time to work and then having the self-awareness to do that. I'm fasting and prayer. He talked about when the, Jesus was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, but it says that when Jesus came out of the desert, he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was phenomenal. And the reality of it is if we want to function and move and care for people, we need to be filled, full of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot do it on our own. And that led to the last point that he made that we're part of the process. We're not the process of caring for people. And if we want to care for people, it's Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives. It's not me. Aaron said 
Nehemiah doesn't do that. I'm a part of the piece of the process and I can care when God gives me his power, gives me his strength to walk in those areas. I can do that, but I'm not the solution. I'm not the answer. And sometimes I think we carry that weight and that's an unnecessary weight to carry in that process. So we just want to thank Pastor Mark for his time, investment in us and investment in the listeners of this podcast. We're looking forward to episode number seven. That will be with Pastor Donna Barrett. Donna Barrett is the General Secretary of the Assemblies of God, and she's going to be sharing with us about self-leadership, some lessons she has learned, some things that she has gathered, what she does to guard a Sabbath, what she does to make sure that she's leading herself well so she can lead others well. I think it's going to be a podcast that you're going to find very insightful. She's highly intelligent, very insightful, and very practical also. And so I think that is something that you're going to take some key points that you'll be able to apply in your life. And I think it's going to be challenging for all of us to learn from her, to grow and see how she practices this process of self-leadership in her life so she can lead others and lead them well. We also want to take just a minute to thank the sponsors of this podcast. A podcast like this is not free. It takes some time, it takes some money, and it takes some effort. And we just want to thank three sponsors, agwmafrica.org. For an increasingly and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. Thank you, Buona Greg. And by Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology. And sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com. wvderm.com. And by Central Assembly of God and Pastor Doug Seaman in Cumberland, Maryland. Caring for each person, connecting each story, and celebrating each miracle. Thank you so much to our sponsors. We're looking forward to the next episode. And once again, it providing clarity in life and mission, the Clarity Podcast. Have a great day.